If you and you're visiting this morning, my name's Julia. Um, I'm the campus pastor here, um, and it's awesome, awesome to have you. Um, what a week, hey? <laughs> How's everyone traveling? Everyone doing okay? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, there's this, the, I think that's the thing, that there is such a mix of emotions right now in our city, right? Um, you know, I know even in this place there are people who have um, you know, lost friends and lost workmates, and there are some that most of our world has been relatively unaffected, and then there's kind of this space in between where we know things have changed, but we're not quite sure how to piece it all together and how, you know, and, and what God is doing in the midst and in the amongst of that, right? Would anyone agree? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was interesting as I, Carl and I had obviously both prepared messages uh, last Friday, and it was funny because we were messaging throughout the day and throughout the afternoon. We were like, yeah, we're like feeling really pumped about these. Like these are going to be really good. And by Friday night we went, well, that, that's, not, that's not the message for Sunday. And um, I think, I hope that last Sunday was a blessing to, to you guys. I know many of you have been loving and serving um, people this week just in the different places that you've been. And, um, and so as I sat down this week and was kind of revisiting it, because we still felt that there was a message within it that God was speaking to us as a church. And, and I was just kind of in this weird space, right, where it's like, man, we, what I sat and was writing a week ago and how, how quickly and how much that can shift within the space of a week, right? Um, but we wanted to start actually by um, a message from Carl, because in amongst all of this, we had... Um, we were, the Thursday before, we were praying for him as a church, right? Because um, if, if you knew this, um, Carl, our senior pastor, has got a lung, lung condition called sarcoidosis, and it's something that has been, um, has been challenging for the last three years, but a couple of weeks ago took a particularly nasty turn, and um, I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell because you know, he's still preaching and by the grace of God doing these things, which is just amazing, his surgeon, he's like a specialist, he's like, I've got no clue how you're doing this. Um, but within that, it was very, very unwell. And so we actually um, had a call to prayer and fasting as a church because we were like, man, actually, we need to intercede on some of this stuff because it had just taken the serious turn where it's like, actually, this is, this is really, really not cool. Um, and so Carl wanted to actually give a little bit of an update to you all. So I'm going to start by reading a message from him. Um, I want to start by acknowledging my deep gratitude for those who have been praying for me in the midst of my health challenges. Many of you will know I have had a lung condition that has been very challenging in its symptoms and has been ongoing now for the past three years. Recently, it took a, a tough turn for the worst. Three Thursday nights ago, the church was called to a day of prayer and fasting for people who needed a miracle, and there was an emphasis on my healing. I just want to say today that I am feeling a huge improvement over the two weeks and every day seems to be better than the last. I can really feel a change since I have really begun to pray, since we have really begun to pray. I see my specialist again in around a month's time and I am believing that he will get a significant God shock. We can celebrate that. Like he said, he was sitting in my office the other day and he, I said, how are you? And he goes... And he took this big breath in his lungs, which he has not done in, what, two years? He has not been able to do that without a coughing fit. He is, like, he, you, he can walk up the stairs to our offices now and you don't hear him coming because <laughs> um, that's how hard it was for him to be able to breathe. And so something has shifted. And we're just waiting for those medical reports. I think that is we're celebrating, right? Like, um, 
is amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing. Um, he is he is so much better, eh, Tim? Like it is just the, the shift and the change with him in the last two weeks has really been um, something phenomenal to watch. And so we're really just kind of looking for those medical reports to, to get confirmation of, of what has happened there. Um, but I thought, how, how amazing. And as I pre- prepared this message and I sat and I reflected on the year so far, it was funny because this is what I'd written a week ago. Um, these past few months have been a real time of growth for us as a church as we have been learning to trust and sit with God in the mystery of that which we don't understand, <laughs> right? And then you look at going, man, we thought that God was stretching and was um, you know, calling us to sit and to trust and to, to journey through that stuff. And then we look at what has happened within our city in the last week and we go, man, how much more so now? Um. And again, him calling us back into that deeper place of learning to trust and to sit with the mystery that which we don't understand. So Carl and I had been sitting and talking a week earlier about how we just so strongly felt that in the midst of these miracles and not just what was happening within Carl's story, but what we were also seeing in breakthrough in other people's lives from that time of prayer and worship and fasting, there's significant things that were shifting and changing in people's lives um, that we really felt God challenge us to say, don't chase me for the miracles, chase me for who I am. In the midst of seeing miracles happen around us, we also began to walk this deep journey, this journey of deep pain with people that we had never anticipated within our city and within our nation. It is in the place of seeing God working in things that are miraculous that we are also attending funerals on Fridays. But in that place, we are going to choose to keep our eyes fixed on God and determine what are the right things to keep our attention on. We are going to be a church who is going to pursue God. I love the promise that God gives us in Scripture, those who seek me will find me. I love that God doesn't make hide and seek hard, right? (laughs) But he encourages us to enter in and to pursue him, knowing that we will find him in those places. As we, as we are journeying through this, we really felt just a challenge um, that, you know, in the time of Moses, as he was leading the people up into the promised land in, in Exodus 33, um, Moses comes before God and he says, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. And I hope as a church that that is our prayer and that is our heart. That as we look at the journey that is before us, as we look at the place that our nation and our city and our people are in, that our heartfelt prayer is, Lord, do not lead us from here if your presence is not with us. But if we trust that God's presence is upon us and he is with us and there will be a courage within us to step into the places and the doors and the people that he, step into the places where he is taking us and love the people that he has placed before us. Now more than ever, we want to pursue God and I hope live with a deep awareness of the hand of God that is upon us and that we will pray, please, Lord, don't take your hand off us. That it is by his grace that we are given breath. It is by his grace that we get to live in his creation. By his grace, we are given another day. The many blessings that we have are from him and sustained by him. 
And if we look at that scripture in Exodus 33, it had come from a time when Moses had been with God, had been up the mountain, and the people had become discouraged. And there was about a month or so that they had, they had been there, and they were like, well, we don't think Moses is coming back. What do we do now? And so they had got their, their gold ornaments and, and all of those things, and they bought things that were precious and special to them, and they had put them in the fire, and they had formed them and fashioned them into a golden calf and said, this will be our God that goes before us now. And the heartbreak in Moses and in God as he goes, man, even within the space of a month, they had let so much discouragement seep into their hearts. And he calls them, when God is, is talking and saying to Moses, he's like, you stiff-necked people. Like, God is just at the point where he's like, guys. And it's interesting as you go, what is that, that stiff-necked? It's kind of like a, I don't know, interesting insult, right? But actually, it was referring to a lot of the oxen that they were working with at the time. Remember, it was a time of, you know, um, you know, farming, agriculture, all that sort of stuff. And they're referring to it that stiff neck would refer to the oxen that were unwilling to change and be let. And he's referring to it within these people and going, man, guys, I've given you all these promises. I've given you a promised land. I am walking with you. I have been leading you. And within the space of time, of the space of discouragement, you have let it seep in. And you have been unwilling to change from that which was before you. You are unwilling to be led. When, and so in amongst all of that, you have just let go of all the things that God had promised. He was unchanging. He still had the promises for them. At the time, he was writing out for them the tablets so that they knew what to do and how to live and how to be the people of God within this space. But they had been unwilling to continue to trust God in the space of the unknown. And so he says that as they come before God and they repent and they, you know, they turn and, and God is giving, willing to give them another chance, he says, my presence will go with, he said, I will send my presence, you can go into the land, but I'm not going to go with you because right now I don't know if I, can, if I can trust if you're not willing to, to be willing to change in this space. But God's goodness was still shining through. But Moses comes before him and he petitions God. And he says, God, well, actually, we're going to re- we'll read the scripture if we can have it from seven. So this is just before. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tents, watching Moses until he had entered the tent. As Moses went up to the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. While the Lord spoke to Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their own tent. What an incredible sight that would be, right? But I'm also reminded that when we have encounters with God, there's also accountability for them, right? The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. See, that not that the heart of God? We see those pictures leaning back to the Garden of Eden where God walked and talked with Adam and Eve as they did a friend in the, in the cool of the evening. So that is always the heart of God to draw us close and to walk with us and talk with us. And then Moses begins to petition God and he comes before him and says to Karen, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. 
and in God and his faithfulness be with him. But I hope that there is something within us as a church that we will choose to pursue God and there will be something in our hearts that go, God, we're not going to go unless you're with us. Because there's a leaning into that heart and that goodness and that faithfulness of God because I believe that something significant can happen within a nation when this happens. See, originally when I was going to be speaking this message, I was going to be speaking it on, um, on the, the Sunday of St. Patrick's Day. All right? And I wondered how many people actually know much of the story of St. Patrick? No, not many. Um, Lots of green, lots of, lots of Guinness, lots of um, shamrocks, all that sort of stuff. But there's actually an incredible story in amongst it. And so that's what I was going to share. And I was like, oh, is it still appropriate if it's not St. Patrick's Day? But actually, the more and more I prayed about it, it's a story of a nation that got changed when a man was willing to move when the presence of God was upon him. So my, my, name's, my name's Julia. My last name is McCarthy. Um, Mick, uh, as I was looking it up, but Mick actually means son of, and Carthy is um, son of, of Irish, an Irish chieftain, right? So my name means son of an Irish chieftain, Carthy, right? So this is like the story of St. Patrick. Yeah, doodly-doo potatoes. That's, that's like the story of my people, right? And going, so when I started to hear this story, I was like, man, actually, this is, this is a story that I didn't know. And originally the Irish were known as like the barbarians and it was a land that was filled with Druidism and the Celtic religion and magic and all of those things. And they were known as the Irish barbarians, right? And then as Rome was starting to, things were starting to happen down in England as the Roman Empire was beginning to crumble, people from the, the English from the north were being called back down. And so it left the north of England relatively exposed. And so what the opportunic Irish at the time I took this time to, to go and to sort of raid and pillage and, and that top part. And as part of that, this guy Patrick was taken as a slave. He was originally an Englishman. And as he's taken to Ireland, he get, at the age of 16, he gets sold into slavery. He ends up tending sheep up in the mountain regions of Ireland. And for six years, he is in this place of an unknown land with faith and religion that held on, with power and um, you know spiritual encounters that he's just like, what is happening? What am I doing here? And until that point, his faith had been quite apathetic. He had come from quite a well-off family in England. But he was drawn in those moments of desperation deeper into his relationship with God, learning how to seek God and hear God's voice up in the, those mountain regions as he tended the sheep. And then... As he had learned the voice of God, he then felt God speak to him and say, soon you will be returning to your home. Through that, he recognized when there was a time and the right opportunity to be able to escape. He found a ship. From there, he made his way down to France and then from there back up to England. But in that time, something had shifted and changed within him. And he couldn't go back as everyone else was like, man, this is so great to have you home. Just kind of chill out and hang here for the rest of your life. He knew something within him had shifted and changed and drew him deeper into a relationship with God. He knew that God had more more for him than what he'd been living before. And then one night he had a dream. And an Irishman came to him in a dream with a letter and said, will you come and walk amongst us once again? And he knew that in that place, in that moment, that God was calling him back to that land. 
and back to those people. And so he was actually incredibly wise in the way that he did it. He went and he studied and he trained and he took what he knew of the language and the culture and he waited for the time when he would be released to be able to go back there. And so there was actually quite a big journey and quite a big um, time between that, that time and his training and before he actually went back to Ireland. But it was amazing that God was working in amongst that. And when he arrived in Ireland, ironically, they let him go because no one else wanted to go there. They were going, that land, that place. Oh my goodness, have you heard the stories of what the people do there? Have you heard the spiritual strongholds that are in that place? You want to go? Dude, go for gold. But the presence of God was with him. And as he went into that space, he started seeing God do some amazing and incredible things. It's hard to work out exactly all the stories because obviously, you know, in those, it was a while ago and trying to record it in those times. But there was like 30 plus people that they say were raised from the dead in that time. Some of them were the sons and daughters of kings who had passed away, but the Spirit of God was upon him. And that demonstration of that miraculous was able to turn the hearts of kings and of chiefs within that nation, where whole villages and and ultimately a nation was being transformed by the presence of God. I wonder if part of them, like maybe Carthy was somewhere in amongst that where his heart was, you know, was, was turned and changed. But I go, there was a willingness upon this man to pursue the presence of God and to raise up people within that generation who then felt a courage to be able to go out and disciple and see God work and move. He got a reputation from what God was doing to be more powerful than the Druid priests at the time because they could not compete with the miracles that God was doing in that place. There's one story of how um, some of the, the Druids had come and they were accusing him of stealing and they were trying to put him to death and all this sort of stuff. So actually the guy that um, had committed the crime, they raised him from the dead. He testified <laughs> to where the, um, the stuff that was stolen was, committed his life to God and then was returned to the grave. But I don't know theologically how you unpack that stuff. But there was something within that that turned the hearts of the people. And when actually there was this deeply spiritual people that then learned that there was that Jesus was even more powerful than what they had experienced. And I think that's still so true and so amazing now. That's one of the biggest things that we see happening throughout Thailand and Middle East is you have um, people who are deeply, deeply spiritual people and have an understanding of the spiritual world. But as they learn about the grace of God, they actually recognize that the power that is within that name and what God is willing and able to do. So I think that there are a few things that we can, that we can learn from this. That as we... Don't chase God for miracles, but we chase him for who who he is. We can learn from history how some of these moves of God work. And the things that we can learn from St. Patrick is we go because his presence leads. Signs and wonders will point to the truth of the kingdom. Places of slavery in the hands of God will become platforms of salvation. There are seasons where God will call us out and seasons where God will call us back. And I'm blown away because I see within this, and I see continue to repeat in history, that the pursuit of God 
leads to encounters in the presence of God that leads to miracles that change nations. The pursuit of God leads to encounters in the presence of God that leads to the miracles that change nations. The first part is about us and our pursuit of God. The second part is us together with God. And the third part is what God chooses to do with that. In the last week, more than ever, I am so aware of the need for miracles to shift and change things within our nation. Something of the present, oh, I even just in this coming week, this last week, I was just blown away by actually the places that God would entrust us to. I shared last Sunday that um, Kate and I actually, through a set of circumstances, ended up with um, with our friend who her husband was in the mosque at the time. And we ended up with her Friday afternoon and then we're with her Friday evening. And we were sitting with her as she got the knock on the door at four in the morning and they came and said that he was in the mosque and that he wasn't in the hospital and we knew what that meant. And as I sat with my, my friends in my lap just weeping and just going, man, God, the depth of pain in this life. As I sat and held her daughter, as she was told that her family, her father passed away in this home. And going, God, what are you doing? Firstly, how did I end up here? But firstly, God, what is it that you want to do in this place? And as I sat and I held her, I just, the only way I can liken it is to the story where, you know, where Jesus is walking through and the woman with the, uh, with, um, and the issue of blood comes and she touches him and he says he felt something go from him. As I sat and as I held her, that is the only way that I can explain it. That there was something of the grace of God I felt leaving me as it ministered to her in that place of deep pain. And at that moment, I had nothing else except for two arms and the spirit of the resurrected Christ that could bring any kind of peace within that situation. But there was something miraculous about that moment as I knew God was doing something, as he was working and bringing a peace that just was above any understanding that we had of within those situations. That God was doing something miraculous in that moment. And even as we went throughout the week, just seeing the hand of God working and moving, ministering healing to deep places of brokenness and pain that, we can't, fix, we can't see fixed and healed any other way, right? There are deep, deep places of pain within our nation. We will see where we want to see the presence of God minister deep healing, revealing the grace and goodness of who he is in every sphere within our nation. Church, I pray, as we travel away that we haven't before, that we are relentless in our pursuit of God, We pray with a deep conviction, Lord, please don't take your hand off us. If your presence is not with us, then please don't send us. And then whatever God is wanting or needing to do, he will find willing hearts and lives in us to see something miraculous happen within our nation. Team, would you come back up? As we sing this song, maybe we can picture that tent that Moses first went into. A place set apart, leaving what had happened in the midst of life and the people he was with. A few moments where he intentionally stepped out aside and sought the presence of God. And in those moments said, Lord, 
I am sorry for the times when we were unwilling to change, to trust, to be faithful. But Lord, may we find favor with you now. May you know our names. And if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. But if you are with us, then draw us deeper. Let us step into the land of your promises. Let us pursue you with all that we have. And Lord, we pray that we will see your glory and see something miraculous happen in our nation because of it. And I pray we will be courageous in our response to God when he calls us. We will be filled to overflowing when people ask, will you come and walk with us again? Because church, from this place, there are going to be places and people where God is going to call you to walk amongst places where you know the language, places where you know the culture. And when people come alongside you and rub up against you and bump against you, that the Spirit of God will overflow from that place. And I pray that in this time, as we have said as a church, let love and faithfulness never leave us, that in those places we will be able to minister a grace and the presence of God to people who are walking through places of deep pain that we will have a wisdom upon our lives to be able to share about the incredible hope that we have found in Jesus, right? And so I encourage you, would you stand now and as we sing and just lean lean in again to the presence of God and pray, God, will you fill us? Will you fill us and will you lead us? God, will you show us where your hand and where your direction is? Lord, we want to chase after you. We want to chase after you. We want to pursue you with everything that we have. Holy Spirit, will you just come now, Lord? Father, will you speak to us in this place? Lord, draw us deeper. Lord, let us hear your voice clearly. Father, help us to surrender the things that we have been unwilling to change, unwilling to let go of. Father, I pray that you'll forgive us for the times when we've been discouraged and let go of your promises too quickly because of the circumstances around us. Father, we know that you are a good and faithful God. We know your heart is towards us. And Lord, we want to be people that are willing to carry your presence. So, Father, we just say, here we are. Lord, will you meet us in this place again?